You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Uh, Dan and Jackie have been pillars in this church. They have lived generosity, and many of you can attest to that. You know, out of nobody asked them to do what they do. They come here and they give every week. He leads worship weekly on this stage, leads our team, and he doesn't get a cent for doing it. Actually, they give money to this church every single week. They give all their talents. They take care of people. They take people out to dinners. They invite people over to their house. I constantly get text messages every week of somebody that's in their house having dinner because they just love people and they love caring for you. And that's who they are. Dan is here every single Sunday at 8 in the morning, setting up, carrying these stands right here, putting the drums up, and always with a lively spirit, always picking people up and and helping people be happier. And Jackie, too, with her lively spirit, always encouraging people. You know, these these are people that we're proud to call friends. They have been pillars of this church. And it is my joy and honor to invite Dan to share the message this morning. So Dan is going to be preaching this morning. Why don't you welcome your worship director and your friend to share a message this morning. We love you, bro. We love you. Yes. Don't cry now, okay? It is an absolute pleasure and honor to speak with you this morning. As mentioned, uh, my name is Dan DePaula. I am married to the beautiful Jackie DePaula, former Miss Brazil. She is to me, so whatever you guys think. Uh, we have two daughters, uh, Naomi and Renee, who was born on 10-15, uh, 2015. And we also have a 17-month-old, uh, Zoe Elliott. Uh, and I think we have a picture of us. And uh, taken by shameless plug, our family, personal family photographer, Felipe, um, and this was taken over. I know I would get a little rough for this. This is, is the Instagram picture. I want to show you what reality actually is. This is how it normally is. This is our little family. Um, the funniest thing about it, just a quickly insight into our family. Um, Naomi is this shy, quiet, and, you know, just brave in her own little ways, little child. And we always thought that, man, as... Naomi was sort of growing up, if we can have, if we knew childhood was, you know, parenthood was this good, we would have had, you know, we're thinking we could have four. Then come along Zoe Elliott, our second born. And when it comes down, if I was to break this down for you in terms of family and what it really means, uh, Naomi will make you want to have four kids. Zoe actually wants to actually make you want to claim the return policy. She is all of it that you can think about. And as we were over in Ohio visiting my mom, Ohio in the house, here we go. Um, I turned to my mom and said, Mom, what is wrong with this child? My mother chuckles. She looks at me and says, son, she's a female version of you. And actually, you were much worse. So uh, to all moms out there, listen, us crazy kids, we turned out okay. So there is hope. And uh, no, we laugh and we, and we always talk about it. But Zoe is the, is the funniest. She is the joy of our household. And when she goes to sleep, we're sort of asking ourselves, what do we do now? There's peace. 
Um, this past week, and transitioning into what we have been going through with the Better to Give series, this past week, JD's opened up our October series, Better to Give, with a message title, Hindrances of Generosity, calling our attention that in the middle of the business of our lives, we need to stop and analyze the fuel that is driving our very engines and how generosity is the matter of the heart. With that in mind, I would like to quickly navigate through Mark 14 and the story of a woman who gifted the equivalent of a year wages and what Jesus mentions uh, her giving as being all that she can do. Along with that, we wanted to give us our personal story and how generosity has shaped our lives. Um, if you would, I'd like you to open up your Bibles or your phones or whichever you do it, or just to turn your attention to the screens on Mark 14, verses 3 to 7. Mark 14, verse 3 to 7. And it reads, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those on the table were indignant. Why waste such an expensive perfume, they asked. I could have been sold for a year wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. She has done what she could. The message version actually says she did what she could when she could. Uh, let us pray, if you would bow your heads. God, we come before you this morning, um, and we want to hear your voice speaking to us. Speak through, through me this morning, and as we are, we are putting in, 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 in context this concept of giving, of, of that it is better to give the life that Jesus gave for us, and we can only come before you this morning and thank you for all that you have done, and we thank you in Jesus' name. I just want to sort of put this into context. Uh, Jesus, at the peak of his ministry, uh, just two days before Passover, as mentioned on verse 1, the chief priests and teachers were all plotting on a way to kidnap Jesus and kill him. With Passover being so close, afraid of a passable riot, they decided to hold it off. That's actually brought up on Mark 14, 2. And it says, and as they were plotting, they said, but not doing Passover, they agreed, or the people may riot. While Jesus was still in Bethany in the city where Lazarus lived, along with his sister, the same Lazarus he raised from the dead. This time Jesus staying at Simon's house, a man who had previously had leprosy, the plague often mentioned throughout the Old Testament. I just want to sort of shamelessly put a plug in there in terms of what this is. Jesus, yet while he was still being chased by the priests of that time, he still lived and, 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 and was among the people that he was called to be. And Bethany being located just two miles outside of Jerusalem. And this, as I was reading in terms of how Jesus still dwelled among those who he was called to serve, although the things that were going around them. I think as a testament to that, it's something that I've always said that sometimes things will happen in our lives and we will be so fast to 
stay away and to push into get away from God's calling for our lives. And one of the things that I just wanted to encourage you this morning is to remain and remain in that which God has called you. Although it has nothing to do with the message, but as I was reading, it just, it just popped out to me that Jesus, although he could have been kidnapped and killed, he stayed with his calling. So whatever you're going through, whatever it is that you might say, God is still has called you and he will honor you if you remain. Amen? And while he was eating, here comes this woman with an alabaster jar filled with a perfume, a perfume so expensive that it was worth a year's wages. And it wasn't just enough to, and, and I, I, I digress, she poured the perfume over Jesus' head. And it wasn't enough just to pour it, it says that she broke the jar. Now there are different translations in terms of how this is actually said that it not was necessarily broken but it was shaken and some other translations said that it wasn't necessarily shaken they just broke the top off enough but they all agree on one thing and one thing only. She meant in every single way to pour every single drop of this essence on Jesus. She didn't want to leave nothing behind and this is the concept of giving. That we are willing to do all that we can, that we're willing to break anything that we could just so we can give to Jesus. Amen? The disciples, as it reads further along, were enraged at this woman and at her actions. This could have been sold for a profit, they said. Why? The other two versions actually said that she was scolded harshly. Jesus quickly interjects and says, why are you criticizing this woman for doing such a good thing to me? The poor will always be with you, but you will not always have me. He follows up with the actual title of, of our message this morning, which is, she did all that she could when she could. Can you say that with me? Just a quick second again. Say it. Let's go. One, two, three. She did all that she could when she could. You see, this woman got the concept. When given the opportunity, she seized the moment. There was an opening, and she said, and she felt it in her heart. She took into account all that she had. And this most precious thing that she had within her house was this essence of not worth for the entire year's wages. And she took account of it. And, you know, some of us, you know how it is, right? You, you, you have to give something. You have to give a present. And I've done this many times, I don't know about you, about the regifting process. To where you have something in your house, there's a birthday that comes up, and you don't want to spend the money. So what do you do? We, did, we just did this. We had a book that I hadn't read in two years. And son of Jack, are you going to read that book? I'm like, um, no, what book? It's like, oh, no, because we already have it in the bag on a birthday that we actually had into. And this is what we will do. We will, sometimes you'll find something, of course, depending on you know, your relationship with the person. You will find something, and if the person that you like, you will give them a nice gift. But if it's not, the regifting is a thing to do. This woman took into account. She did through the whole process, and she said, this is the most expensive thing that I have. And she gave it all to Jesus. And this is what I sort of wanted us to really concentrate on this morning, that when given the opportunity, what do we do? When given the opportunity to come before him and to give that which we have as we take an account over our lives, are we giving Jesus all that we have? 
And of course, as we are concentrating on the better to give, and sometimes you are concentrating on the financial aspect of it, but this can be taken into are you giving all of your time to Jesus, your quality time, not the time where you're about to go to sleep and you decide to read the Bible, and before you know you have to sleep, and the Bible is smacking you in your eye. That is not that good time. Are you giving that quality time to Jesus? Are you giving him all that you are as an offering to him? Um, Jackie and I, um, we made a decision in our lives um, as we're sort of going through our battle. And what I wanted to do is really give you guys our testimony. I just wanted to plug in Mark 14 as a, as a pastor that had really touched my heart this morning. But I wanted to share because a lot of times we are here and we're leading worship. And really people don't get to hear our story and what we have gone through to get to this point. And it hasn't all of it been about the Instagram pictures. And it's been a lot more in terms of what has happened on the background and what God has used to bring us up to this point. Um, we, as we, are, we got married in July 1st of 2007, something very special also happened on July 1st. I was born, of course, thank you, you cued it in. Uh, as we were over at the wedding hall in Bronx, New York, over by the, uh, the zoo, the Bronx Zoo, we were sitting at the table, and the guy said, listen, I have two dates that are open. I have July 1st, and I have... June, whatever it is. And Jackie said, all right, that's a cheaper date. I'll take the cheaper date. We're good to go. I'm like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll take July 1st. Something else also happened. She was like, uh, you, you know, um, that's uh, my birthday too, right? And um, this to me has been the ultimate sign of giving as anniversary comes up. I no longer get gifts. I have to give them. I am happily married for over 11 years now. And it is indeed better to give. <laughs> At the time we got married, I was a realtor and the mortgage broker. Jackie was going to school full-time, and she also had a full-time job and a few part-time jobs in between. I don't know about you, but we just know how to plug in jobs in whichever way that we can. And as she was going to school, we were going through that process. I remember at some point, we, were, we had at least four jobs amongst us, between the both of us, um, and I vividly remember as at 24 years old, almost 23, as we were sort of making the decision to get married, and I remember turning to Jackie and my smooth self, and I said, Jackie, you won't have to work a day in your life once we're married. <laughs> oh. uh, and that was, and we got married July 1st, 2007. As you know, 2008 comes along. And the depression comes. I couldn't hold a job. I couldn't close any loans. I couldn't do anything that I could. I mean, at the point, I remember making at 24 years old a high six-figure income. And when 2008 comes, I'm looking at my pipeline as far as, you know, what's coming up within three months and what's not coming up before that. And I couldn't just see it because, you know, if you, in terms of mortgages and, and selling houses, you sign a contract and it takes a month, two, sometimes three to even close and I just couldn't see it within a six-month period of nothing actually coming up. And that's how we begun our road to happiness in mid-2007, late 2008. Um, we find ourselves right at that point. We were fully married. Dreams are shattered. And we're fully broke. And I remember sometimes as we were sort of recapping the story, we almost used to say hi to each other on a highway. Because I used to work nights. I remember working... Delivering food at night, 
uh, pre-prepared meals. We used to start in Yonkers and make our way towards the tri-state, delivering food all the way across. I worked for a maintenance company in New Rochelle, um, and I also cleaned the senior citizen center uh, over in Yonkers. Whatever we could do to scrap, because we just know one thing only, when we get married, whatever you have to do, you, you ain't got to tell me twice. If something needs to be done and it's going to make money, we'll do it. I'll make it work. Even up until today, which I have been sort of stopping myself, I'll keep taking on projects until the bills are paid. And Lord knows what happened next. But we will do whatever needs to be done to put food on the table. As we were sort of going through that process and money really just wasn't coming in as much as we had, as we got married within the six-month period, we purchased two houses. That had always been my dream to own multiple properties. We purchased a house in Connecticut, one in New York, the one that we lived in for almost... Eight years before I was moving again. Uh, and it came to a point where money was so tight that we had to make a decision. Do we pay for the mortgage or do we pay for Jackie's school? And she was almost going into her third year of college. And we had to make a decision. What do we do now? We, 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 we got to make something happen. Do we pay for it or do we not? Long story short, we ended up losing the house in Connecticut. And we kept the one in New York. But things just constantly continue to get worse but something that always still up until today as we were having a conversation a couple of months after losing the house I remember vividly asking Jackie and having this conversation and she turns to me and says hey at least we've learned what not to do that moment then I knew I had a partner I had somebody who would fight with me no matter what because in my head I'm thinking I've made promises you will never have to work a day in your life you won't have to do certain things because I am leaning on that which you know I'm, I, I would hustle or make things happen and all that I've had held my hopes to have been shattered but when she turned to me and said listen Dan we will be all right I'm thinking I am the modern version of Trump. That's before Trump became something that got you in trouble. I'm thinking I will become that second version of it, the Brazilian version of it. I will own multiple properties within the city and I'll be fine. And when everything was shattered, when all of these problems happened, I knew one thing from the start, that I had a partner with me. And I, and I would like to honor you for that. If I am where I am today, it's because God has given you the grace and the courage to put up with me. And you are my partner, and I love you. Brownie points. <laughs> Fast forward a few years later, we're still licking our wounds. Um, and as we bumped into a word by Robert Morris, a senior pastor of um, Dallas, a church in Dallas, a Gateway Church. And in that video, he detailed how through the process of giving, his life had been changed. And how through making decisions to where he purposefully would get out of his way to give, not only financially, but also of his time, also in prayer, his life had changed. And the phrase that he used, which forever stuck with me, is that if God can trust you to be a channel to bless others, if he can use you to do things through you, Imagine what he can do for you. Shortly after that time, Jackie actually bumped in and discovered Dave Ramsey and his uh, debt-free program, which is actually based on, on biblical principles. And again, we are reminded, once we listen to it, that if 
God, if you, once you take a hold of your finances, that you can actually be a blessing to other people and not actually be burdened. So we were being constantly reminded that if we were able and if we were willing to be, to sacrificially give, to give of what we had at the time, that God can actually change our situation around. But the interesting thing about it is, what, how do you give if you have nothing to give? And the, and, and, and the phrase that's always thrown around is that you can't afford to give. You can't afford not to give. Because God is just waiting for the opportunity to walk you through that process. We went through this. Uh, fast forward a few years later, we actually got debt free because of Jackie's relentless approach to her Excel spreadsheet and how I was given $20 per week and I had to actually have lunch every day with $20. We made it work. We got debt free. Uh, we decided to start a family. Uh, Jackie got pregnant with our firstborn, Naomi. Shortly after, if life wasn't crazy enough, we get pregnant again, or Jackie does, and Zoe Elliott comes along. But that became part of our life purpose, that we will live our lives blessing other people as we could with our time, with our prayers, and our finances. We've begun to look in ways in which we could fill the needs of people uh, and and and. Whichever way that we could, whether we, we, we were calling somebody, sending a text message, or whether we were separating parts of our income to help others. The way how we did it is that we separated outside of the 10% that we actually give as our tithes and offerings to the church. We had separated and we set apart money so that whatever an opportunity would arise, that we would bless other people. We told ourselves... Just like this woman said, and just like Jesus when he reminded that we would do all that we could do when we could do it. As we look at the story of this woman that we just read about in Mark 14, she poured this fragrance on Jesus. The bigger of the even, the symbolism of it all, is that she was the person who prepared Jesus to what he was about to walk into. The symbolism is that her offering, the response in which she was said to take account into whatever she had and to give to Jesus, something that was so astronomically big that it would be worth a year wages. Yet she said, I will give it all to Jesus. In terms, she said, I would do all that I can when I can because I was prompted to. She seized the moment and she did what God put in her heart. See, when you obey God's voice and respond when given the opportunity to do all that you can do, God's kingdom can then run through you. When you can be trusted as someone who God can work through, imagine only what he can do for you. Our lives have been changed. And, and, I, I, and some of the things that we have sort of done differently, I remember coming to church and, and, and praying God, uh, you know, this money came in, what do we do? And I just said, I'm going to have the, a blank check on my pocket. And if the opportunity arises, if something comes up, we will then just try to fill a need. And I remember something came up, somebody made a comment, we felt in our hearts, that I said, all right. I walked up to the person and said, all right, I felt as if we're supposed to do this. Here it is, we want to give this to cover it. And I remember saying, and, and the response was, oh, we were short exactly this amount. 
And I'll tell you this, I don't want to paint this picture that if you give, by the time you get home, you have received a hundredfold. That is not the concept. The concept is that you will do all that you can, and God, on his given time, will bless you, whichever way that he sends. However, I remember when I, you know, I, I wrote that check, we gave it to the person. Within a week's time, ten times the amount we have given, we had received back. Now, I can tell you that if you do that today... You know, grab your wallets, as they say it on TV. We will take an offering now. That is not the concept. But if you are willing to give, God will fulfill all of your needs. The most important thing that I got from reading this passage in Mark 14 is that this woman, and as we're sort of bringing it to a close, the band wants to get ready, and J.D. will do the application time, is that she would forever be remembered in history. For the act that she did. When responding and when doing all that you can do, when you can do it, and propelling God's kingdom forward, you will be remembered. You will be remembered for having a generous heart. But most of all, I pray that this morning your heart is compelled to give it all to Jesus. To take account of what you have. Take account of your time. Take account... Of your, of, of your spiritual life and what you can do to maybe help others financially. But you would do that this morning and that you would be compelled to do it simply because God will honor his word. And I have a few verses that we sort of work through it as we're sort of going through. I think uh, it's one of the first ones is actually located in Luke. I don't know if we have it. Boom. All right. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure. Pressed down, shaking together, and running over. And he will be poured in your lap. The other scripture, it's located, in, I believe, in Malachi. And it says, bring all the tithes and the tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now, says the Lord. And if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour for you so great a blessing until there's no more room for you to receive it. It starts with that concept of coming before God and giving all that we have. I ask you this morning to broke op break open your alabaster jar, to take account all that you have, and to bring it before Jesus. If God can trust you to be a channel to bless others, imagine what he can do for you. This morning I ask you to do what you can, when you can, and God himself will do the rest in your life. Did he?